You're listening to Sea Air with Suleiman Ocheni. Hello, hello, hello. I have a lot planned on the podcast today. So without wasting too much time, let's jump into the advice portion of this advice podcast. My first question. I'm leaving my first professional job at a smallish dysfunctional company, around 150 employees, and I am thrilled to be moving on. However, I'm friends with a manager in another department, and at lunch yesterday, she told me, quote, I've tried to encourage HR to stop hiring women of birthing age since they are likely to need maternity leave and may not even come back after it's over, end quote. I was flabbergasted. This co-worker is the hiring manager for everyone entering her department. And the unethical hiring practice she described is discriminatory and from what I understand, illegal. I was not shocked in the moment. I didn't know what to say, so I said nothing. Now that I've slept on it, I'm angry and I want to do something about it. I've got three options as I see it. Number one, go back to my coworker directly and tell her that what she's described is unethical and illegal and reframe how she's hiring immediately. Number two, go to HR and tell them what happened. I would also suggest management training since it's clear this coworker has poor judgment as a manager at best. And three, keep my mouth shut and count my lucky stars that I'm leaving this dysfunctional place. What do you recommend? For what it's worth, I am a quote, woman of birthing age. And this co-worker may have discriminated against me if I had been interviewing for a position in her department, which makes things sting even more. See, I know people don't like to think about it, but there's a lot of discrimination that goes into hiring. When people look at organizations, they see these gigantic entities, almost like these complex machines. We tend to forget that organizations are made up of people and people can be horrible. People have their own biases and most of the time they act on these biases. People are racist. People are misogynistic. People are classist. People discriminate based on religion and so on. So when it comes to hiring, these biases will also apply. Whether we like it or not, a lot of the time, people hiring make hiring decisions based on their own internal biases. And because they know that these biases are problematic, they won't give the real reason they're rejecting a candidate. They will lie and say it's something else. Now, this woman is such an idiot that she actually said her biases out loud to you. If I were you, I would choose option number two that you proposed. I would go to HR and let them know what it is that this woman is doing. I would even go so far as to, you know, not threaten them, but imply that if they don't do something about it immediately, I might post on social media about it or even tell my other colleagues about it. Now, I wouldn't do this if I was still going to be working there, but you are living. So really, what do you have to lose? Like I said, I would threaten those things, but I wouldn't actually do them. Because in the professional world, information like this tends to spread. So wherever you are going next, you don't want your new employer to find out that you are the kind of person who would attempt to burn down the organization that you are leaving. Because even if they are a good organization and they're not doing anything wrong, it wouldn't be in their best interest to hire someone who is combative with their former employer because they could be your former employer sometime in the future. It's kind of like not wanting to date someone who has horrible things to say about all their exes because one day you might be their ex and would they be going around spoiling your name then? But with that said, I want to say this. I know we vilify corporations for not wanting to hire young women of childbearing age, but I want 
to look at it from the organization's point of view for a second because I always think there's value in putting yourself in the other person's shoes. Imagine you hire a person, then they get married. So the months leading up to the wedding, their attention is divided. They get married. They take one or two weeks off for their honeymoon. Then you have to find someone to fill in for them over that time. Then a few months later, they get pregnant. And for the last two to three months of their pregnancy, they're out of work. Then for at least three months after they give birth, they're still on maternity leave. And depending on the country you're in, women who go on maternity leave can determine when they're going to come back to work. So if you want to take a year off work, you can do that. And the employer is going to have to deal with that. So they're going to have to find someone to do that person's work for the time that they are away and pay that fill-in while also paying the original employee. Because I was once on the hiring committee of a company I worked for. And when we were considering, you know, who to hire for a position, the best candidate was a young woman. And a man in the room said, we shouldn't hire her because she's young and would probably want to get married soon and start having children and would be in and out of the office. At the time, I kicked against it and I got my way and we hired her. And just like that man said, immediately after she started work, she got married and got pregnant and wasn't in the office a lot. And this company was a startup. So everybody who was already overworked had to share her duties, putting even more strain on them. This is a huge financial burden that a company has to take on. So I kind of don't fault them for taking it into consideration. So I guess what I'm saying is it's not an unreasonable thing for them to consider, but it should not be a deterrent. I do not think it's a reason someone should not be hired because having children, yes, women are doing it for themselves and their families. But if you look at it on a macro level, they're doing it for society. They are giving birth to the next generation of human beings who will run the world. So it's no small feat what they are doing. So whatever accommodations we can make as a society, as colleagues, as employers, we should make. We should pick up the slack if we can for our pregnant or recently murdered colleagues. But yeah, coming back to your question, go and tell HR about this because they need to know. Moving on to my next question. When a friend of mine, quote, makes dinner for invited guests, it's always fast food. Frankly, I am sick of it. On her last birthday, she invited me and several other friends over for dinner. You guessed it, pizza and chicken wings. I told my friend I was surprised and not in the mood for what she had on offer. Give my apologies and left. We didn't talk for four months. This past year, I was again invited to her birthday dinner. I declined and when asked why, I said, quote, I am sick and tired of what is being served, end quote. The response was, quote, then I guess I'll stop inviting you and I don't need your friendship, end quote. I replied, quote, glad we are on the same page, end quote. This friend knows how to cook but continues to do this. Was I out of line? I have no regrets that the friendship has ended. See, first of all, this person is not your friend. Or I should say, you are not this person's friend. I don't know about anyone else who, but when my friends and I get together to do something, the underlying purpose, the main purpose of us getting together is to spend time together. Everything else is secondary. If this friend invites you over for dinner, as long as food is provided, what is your own? You should want to spend time with your friends. Why are you so bothered about what she has to offer when it comes to food? If you know that you do not like what she normally serves you, then eat before you go to that dinner. And if on her birthday dinner, she also serves fast food, I think that's reasonable. Not everyone wants to be sleeping over a hot stove preparing gourmet meals for their guests on their birthday. Maybe she just wanted to relax and then have you guys over to celebrate with her. 
it doesn't matter that she can cook. Even if she can cook, what if she doesn't want to cook for you? There are some people who do not like to cook. They might know how, but they don't like it. I have a friend whose husband cooks and she cleans. It doesn't matter if there are a hundred dishes after dinner. She would rather wash those dishes one by one than cook the meal. If this friend is one of those people who doesn't like to cook and she has found a way to outsource the whole thing, then I'm not entirely sure what the problem is. I decided to answer this question because it reminds me of something I'm always telling people. When it comes to relationships in our lives, I think a lot of people are focused on quantity rather than quality. You said you ended this friendship with this person over this issue. Can I ask you some questions? When you need this person, are they there? When you are having any kind of crisis, whether emotional or physical, are they there? Can you trust this person? These are the things you should be focusing on, not whether she served you pizza instead of pounded yam that she pounded with mortar and pesto and a goosey that she ground on grinding stone. You know, if she is a friend you can really rely on, a friend that has your back, and you ended this friendship because of pizza, then I think you have your priorities wrong. But in the end, you say you don't regret ending the friendship. That's why I started this answer saying, I do not think that you are her friend. So if you really don't feel any type of way about ending this relationship, then cool. But just for the record, I want to say that I think this is a ridiculous reason to end the friendship. Moving on to my next question. I am a secondary school student and I am failing almost all my classes. But I swear I am studying hard. I don't know what is happening. This whole school thing seems to come easier to almost everyone else. I don't know why I am different. Am I just stupid? Should I just drop out and find some sort of trade to do for the rest of my life? I feel so stuck. See, first of all, you are not stupid. Don't ever call yourself stupid and never allow anyone else to call you stupid. I know you feel like that right now, but you are not stupid. People have different ways of learning. You just haven't found yours. Do you know the thing about school is that they tell you to go and study, to read your books, but a lot of the time they don't teach you how to do these things. For example, when I was younger, when they would tell me to go and read my books, I took that literally. So I would go and read my books. I would sit there with my books and read through the entire books for hours. Then I would write exams and get C's and D's. And I would be so surprised because I read now. What I did not know is that there are so many study techniques and nobody told me any of them. How I found out was in my first year of university, I decided to make flashcards for my classes to make reading easier. So I sat down for a couple of days and wrote down all the things I needed to know for my exams on those flashcards. What I found is that when I was in the exam hall writing those exams, I was not remembering what I read on those flashcards. I was remembering what I wrote on those flashcards. So the way that works for me is writing things out. And I've heard that that technique works for a lot of people. I've heard that some people study by listening. So they record themselves reading their notes out loud, then play it back to themselves as many times as they need for the information to stick. And that's how they study. You just have to find the way you study, you know, the thing you need to do to get the information to stick in your brain. There are so many study techniques. Look them up online and try them out and see which ones actually help. Education is not a straightforward thing. And I feel that we do not teach young people this. And it has set so many young people up for failure. Keep going with school. Don't get disillusioned by it. I'm giving you this advice because I have seen a lot of people advise young people to leave school alone, to abandon university. They say things like you don't need university to be successful. And although that is true, I cannot sing the praises of university enough. University is more than just books and academics. What I got from university that wasn't in the curriculum is so much more than what was. Because university is like adulthood but with training wheels. You can fall and there will be a net there to catch you. 
For example, if you are the president of your student association and you steal money and they find out, the highest they'll do is expel you. But if you have a business and you embezzle money, you go to prison. I don't know if you get my point. University is an environment for you to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. A lot of the lessons I've learned in university when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, I'm seeing people who never went to university struggle with those things in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. And another thing about university is that it is where you start to build your network. And your network is very important. Because whether we like it or not, in life, it is your network that is going to help you with a lot of things. Even outside Nigeria, because in Nigeria we call it connections, outside Nigeria it is networking. Because in university, you are in this environment with people with different specialties who are going to spread out after you graduate. So you have contacts in almost every field. You have friends who are engineers, you have friends who are lawyers, you will have friends who are journalists, you have friends who are doctors and so on. But if you don't go to university and go straight into business, for example, majority of your network will be within that same field, which is incredibly limiting. Anyway, my advice is don't give up on yourself when it comes to education. It is so valuable. It's one of the only things that nobody can take away from you. So take it seriously because if you do it well, it will be one hell of a feather in your cap. Now, moving on to my next question. My fiancé has sort of let herself go ever since I proposed. I mean, she no longer dresses nice or does her hair anymore and she's gaining a lot of weight. I love her. She's really great. But the thing that attracted me to her in the first place was her body. And I'm not sure I want to marry her anymore if her looks were a trap to land a husband. I would feel like an a** telling her to lose weight. So I'm at a loss for what to do. What should I do? I feel for you because, like you said, if you dare open your mouth and tell her to lose weight, you become the bad guy automatically. Because you're supposed to love your partner no matter what they look like, blah, 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 blah. However, a lot of people don't like to deal with reality. I am sure when your fiancé looked across the room and saw you for the first time, it wasn't your personality she saw, it was your face. It was your body. That's what attracted her to you. Equally, that's what attracted you to her. Physical attraction is very, 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 very important. Personally, I think that generally we should try to do all we can to remain fit and attractive for our partners, whether you are a man or a woman. That means maintaining good personal hygiene. That means being healthy and active. Because whether we like it or not, physical attraction is what keeps your partner in bed. Because if they are not attracted to you, there is less motivation to do the do. It's already hard enough when you are in an exclusive relationship with somebody that is attractive. Because things can get old quick. The fact that they are attractive doesn't mean you will not get bored. Then you now come and remove their attractiveness. I feel like you'd be fighting an uphill battle. And I'm not saying that a person's body will not change over time. We are all fighting against age. Our bodies are declining every single day. I am aware of that fact. However, that change is supposed to happen gradually over time. People shouldn't be able to see it day to day to day. If there's something going on that is making a person to change that drastically, that is making their physical appearance to change that drastically, then that thing needs to be addressed. So what I would do in that situation is I would talk to my fiancé. I know it's a difficult conversation to have, but this is a human being you are going to be getting married to. You should be at a place in your relationship where you can have these difficult conversations. If you are not, then I think really you should reconsider the marriage, but that I'll put aside for now. You should let her know that the person she used to be is different from who she is now. Don't come at it from a place of, I am not attracted to you anymore, so you have to fix it. Please, don't do that. Instead, ask her what is going wrong. Ask if this is who she is, you know, whether she has been putting up a front until now or if there is something going on in her life that is making her lose guard. Because some people, when they get stressed, all of these things fall by the wayside. 
or maybe she's going through some emotional or mental issues. If that is the case, then the both of you can look for ways to help her deal with these issues. But at the end of the day, I don't think this is something you should keep quiet about. I'm not saying it's something she needs to fix for you or that it is something she needs to fix right now, but it is an issue and it is an issue that should be discussed. Here is my fact of the day. Did you know that scientists who have studied love say that it is possible to fall in love with someone within minutes of meeting them? I find this interesting because this is contrary to what we have been led to believe about love. We have been told that love is this huge, all-encompassing thing that takes a long time to establish. But I would actually agree with the scientists who have made this claim. Because what is love? Love is defined as an intense feeling of deep affection. When you break it down, love is wanting the best for someone, wanting them to be happy, healthy and fulfilled, and also wanting to share in that with them, as in be a reason why they feel these things. And I think it's possible to have these feelings for someone you just met if you have had a deep enough conversation with them. Then you now add physical attraction to it. <laughs> Forget about it. In fact, it will be easy to fall in love with someone within seconds. <laughs> but yeah, moving on to my week in pop culture. My first story has been going on for a while and I haven't wanted to talk about it because I find it so incredibly inane. So Oprah Winfrey and Dwayne The Rock Johnson came together to create the People's Fund of Maui to help raise money for the people of Maui in Hawaii who have been affected by wildfires. People have died, people have lost their homes and everything they own, people have lost their livelihoods. Anyway, Oprah and The Rock came together to create this fund so that people can donate and help the people of Maui directly. They did it because so many people did not know where to donate their money. They wanted to donate their money, but they didn't know where. Because there is a lot of distrust when it comes to all these organizations who collect money for tragedies. They say they are going to help distressed people, then end up stealing the money. So Oprah and The Rock came together to start this fund so that people can donate to a place where they know that 100% of the money donated will go to the people who need it. Another thing about this fund is that the money is going directly into the bank accounts of the people who need it. So the people can decide what they need to spend the money on. It's not an organization telling them that you need toilet paper and then buying it for them or telling them you need this kind of food and then buying it for them. These people will get the money, then decide how to spend it, i.e. they will have agency. People online were now complaining that why should a billionaire and a multi-billionaire come and ask them, regular middle class and working class people, to donate money. Now why don't they just donate the money themselves or ask their rich friends to donate money? My question is, who told these people that they didn't donate? Who told them that they haven't asked their friends to donate? Listen, I always say that we do not know celebrities. We do not know whether they are good or bad people. So we have to take them with a grain of salt. Oprah and The Rock could be the worst people in the world. However, Oprah and The Rock are two people that we know are philanthropic. Over the years, they've done so much charity work. There is proof. There is a proven track record of it. These aren't just people who are standing up to go and do these things out of nowhere. Oprah, according to herself, has given to charity ever since she earned her first paycheck. That is over 40 years of charity work. The Rock is from Hawaii. He's doing this for his people. I do not know what the problem is here. The reason they set up this fund was because other people wanted to help and they didn't know where to send the money. And people came at them accusing them of horrible things. My question is, where is all this energy for the people whose job it is to do this kind of work but are embezzling funds? Where is the anger for politicians? People are just so entitled to other people's money and I do not understand it. Even if Oprah didn't give money or neither did The Rock, which they both said they have, it's not their job to help the people of Maui. They are doing it out of the kindness of their hearts. The people of Maui are not entitled to Oprah's money, nor are they entitled to The Rock's money. The money that they are entitled to are their tax dollars that they have been paying for years, decades up until this point. 
money which is supposed to help them in times like these. Where is all this energy for the American government that they have been paying taxes to? And you know, if Oprah and The Rock hadn't done anything, these same people would have been the same people to come out and complain about that too. Then recently, Oprah gave an interview talking about how disheartened she was about the backlash she got for setting up the fund. And then people came for her again, talking about how she has no remorse, how she can't see what people are saying. Why would she see what people are saying when they are talking nonsense? This is a woman who came from abject poverty. She understands poverty. Probably more than some of these people who are complaining. These people are talking about her like she's an old moneyed person. Oprah came from the kind of poverty that most people cannot even fathom. All of this is just ridiculous. I swear, people need to get a life. They need to go outside and touch grass. Because some of the things I have seen on the internet these days, I'm starting to lose my mind. Like, there was a woman who had four daughters. She was pregnant with her fifth child. People kept saying that they hope that this time it's a boy. So she posted a video on TikTok talking about... I don't care if it's a boy or a girl, I just want a healthy baby. Then people who are parents of disabled children started accusing her of saying that children with disabilities don't deserve love. This woman was just asking for a healthy child. She didn't say she wouldn't love her child if it wasn't healthy. But given the choice, she would choose a healthy child over an unhealthy child. Because who wants their child to suffer? And people came for her. So we are now at a point in life where you can't even hope to have a healthy child without people coming for your throat. Honestly, like I said, people need to get a life. Anyway, I think the People's Fund of Maui is a good initiative and I'm glad to see that they have almost reached their goal because sane people are donating. Because at the end of the day, this is about the people of Maui who are suffering. What they need is help and not this performative outrage. I wish them luck and that they get back on their feet quickly. Next, Davido has said he charges $600,000 per show that he performs. And apparently this has got people outraged. Actually, some of the comments on X, formerly known as Twitter, are actually funny. So you can go and look some of them up. But anyway, people are saying that $600,000 per show is too much. Davido also added that a lot of people can't pay that $600,000. So sometimes he reduces his fee. Now, do I believe that he charges this amount and people actually pay him? No. But if I am wrong, I don't see anything wrong with that. I feel like as the producer of a product or service, you can set whatever price you want. If people buy it, then good. If they don't, then you readjust. That is how business works. If I make a chair now and it only costs me 2,000 naira to make that chair and I decide to sell it for 500,000 naira and I find somebody who will buy it for 500,000 naira, I am not cheating that person. I set the price, the person agreed to the price and they bought it. This discourse actually irritates me because in my own personal business, I have people coming to me all the time asking me for quotes. And when I tell them how much my services are, they always tell me that they know somebody who can do the exact same work for cheaper. Okay, then why don't you go to that person? Why are you wasting my time? I know the value of what I am giving you and I have set my prices accordingly. If it is too rich for your blood, then please walk. Nobody is forcing you to buy anything. People set their prices based on what they feel the product or service is worth. If it's too much for you, then it's not for you. It's just that simple. Like I said, I do not believe that this is true. I think he's saying this to make waves. But even if it's true, he's within his rights to do that. Because whether we like it or not, Davido has reached the level of international superstardom. People across the world know his name. So he has enough clout to charge this much. So I really don't know why anyone is upset. My next story is a sad one. A 17-year-old boy named Betwam Bitrus, who lived in Bogoro local government area of Bauchi State, has been reported to have committed suicide. As far as I know, this young man did not leave a suicide note, so we do not know the reasons he chose to end his life. Although this is a heartbreaking story to tell, I wanted to talk about this today because for the last couple of years, I have seen instances of young people committing suicide. I don't want to say skyrocket, but I have been hearing a lot more of these stories recently. 
Many young people feel disillusioned because of the way things are. Young people work hard, but they never reap what they sow. So many are struggling financially, mentally, emotionally, that they do not see an end to this suffering. They are not capable of looking into the future and picturing a time when things will be okay. Things have been so bad for so long that a lot of young people these days can't remember a time when things were good. So they feel like what is the point of living? So, so many of them turn to suicide. Back in 2020, my mom and my sister happened upon the dead body of a young man who had hung himself from a tree. They didn't know this guy, but later on, we found out that he was a recent university graduate. He had passed out from his NYSC and for the last year, he hadn't been able to secure a job. He felt ashamed because it seemed like everyone else was doing well and he wasn't. So he hung himself. He had written all this in his suicide note. The reason I wanted to talk about this today is to remind any young person listening that things will get better. It may not seem like that right now, but they will. All you have to do is keep putting one foot in front of the other. The suffering you think you are suffering alone, so many other people are in the same boat with you. Going back to the young man who ended his life because he wasn't able to find a job, I can actually relate to that because it took me three years after I graduated to find my first job because the job market was nonsense. Even I felt like there was something wrong with me because everybody had a job and I didn't. But what I didn't know was that everybody else was feeling like me about something else. The thing is, everybody is struggling. Everybody is trying to find a way to move forward. You are not alone. And I don't say that to say, suck it up, you are not special. I'm just trying to say, so many people feel exactly the same way you do. But one thing I can tell you is that things will change. Even if you cannot see it right now, even if you don't know how they will change, things will change. The only constant in life is change. Just make sure you are around to see it. There are a lot of people who love you. Your family, your friends, they will be devastated and will never be the same if you choose to end your life. Just try your hardest to be strong and move forward. I promise you will come out the other side. Now, I do not know what the other side will look like for you, but you will conquer this. Just stay strong. And may Betwan Bitrus rest in peace and I'll keep his loved ones in my thoughts. Now, moving on to my final story. It's about Prince Harry and Meghan. Apparently, Meghan has been seen recently without her wedding ring. And this has fueled rumors that her marriage to Prince Harry is on the rocks. However, we have just found out that the reason she isn't wearing the ring is because one of the stones came loose, so it is being repaired. I wanted to talk about this story because I do not understand the media's obsession with Prince Harry and Meghan as it concerns the demise of their marriage. They will come out time and time again saying that they are still happily married. But at least once a week, I will say a story about how Meghan and Harry have broken up or how Harry is miserable in the marriage and he's going to divorce her soon. Why can't people just leave them alone? This is the reason they officially left the British royal family in the first place. They didn't want to have to deal with all of this nonsense. I honestly don't know what is people's problem with them. Also, let me take this opportunity to say this. Anybody who does not like Meghan in my books is a racist. I'm sorry, that might be harsh, but that's just how I feel. It's like when a black person says black lives matter and someone who isn't black says all lives matter. You've just communicated something to me just by saying that. So whenever I see someone who has a strong negative reaction to Megan, in the back of my mind, I'm like, this person is a racist on some level. Because I cannot understand the hatred. I don't know why she's being blamed for something that Harry did, for a rational decision that Harry took. The both of them have said it, that it was Harry who decided to take them out of the British royal family. And that is actually something I can believe. Because before Harry even said he was the one who decided it, I thought it was him. Because look at the way he grew up. I mean, his mother died when he was a tween or a young teenager because she was hounded by the press and then not protected by the British royal family. So it only makes sense 
that if the same thing was happening to his wife, the mother of his children, that he would want to protect her the way he wasn't able to protect his mother. Those dots are not difficult to connect. So I don't know why she gets all the blame for it when he was the one who made this entirely reasonable decision. Anyway, I could go on and on about this, but basically I just wish that everyone would leave them alone and let them live their lives. Now it is time for In Case You Missed It, the segment where I play one of my hot takes that I posted somewhere on the internet over the past week or even earlier. Why? In case you missed it. This week, I'm going to play the audio of a video I posted this past week. However, you will not hear my voice because it was a stitch I posted to TikTok of Oluwabukumi Adeaga, aka Kiki, saying something I always advise women. Listen. You. Me for one, I tell women this. How, how will you be living the house and you're not paying rent? For me, oh, mm. it does not make sense. Mm. See, let I'm living in this house. We are sharing the rent. On my birthday, fly me to Dubai. Fly me to Barcelona for my birthday. That's beautiful. Buy me um, 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 a Fendi bag. Buy me a Christian, a Christian routine, whatever. Beautiful. Mm. But that I'll be living in that house and not pay rent, it is not possible. So that one wants to fight. You carry chair, carry television. You carry the roof. I carry the floor. We will see everything you call for. You can't tell me get out of my house. No, that's not to be an adult. You can't tell me get out yeah. of my house. There's mm. no, there's nothing like get out of my house. Mm. We are living together. Mm. And you know, so the concept, because living together is like cohabitating, isn't it? it, 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 it and you have yeah. to be responsible. Imagine taking in a friend and then you have a chef, you have a cleaner, you have um, a dry cleaner, mm. and then your friend is just waking up in the morning, you know, eating, throwing their plates and their clothes everywhere in the house and you are, you are cleaning after them. You are paying for everything. If no matter how much you love your friend, in time tiring. will come. Yeah. If, if, if I even, it might not even be financial. You might be having a bad time at, w- at work. And then you get home and somebody's just lying down there and then the ace is on and then Netflix <laughs> is on. And I like, she really lily. And I coach you And then it just gets to that point. So yeah. in marriage, you cannot be, I told me, it, it can't happen that mm. you'll be paying all the rents and I'll mm. be living in this house. And mm. you, in my house, somebody has a chef's bill. Somebody has a nanny's bill. Somebody has a cleaner's bill. Somebody has a dragon's bill. That's how it's and done. And sometimes if I default, he can help me. I can help him. Uh-huh. But, yeah. but you can decide to travel and come back and buy me a gift of ten thousand dollars beautiful mm. but that because you have the money i will not allow you to take because see, there's respect mm. in doing no mm. there's a lot of respect mm. in this and that's another challenge in my life. this week if you haven't seen fleabag then i am so so jealous of you fleabag is one of those shows that i'm not sure i can describe to you in a way that you will understand in a way that will do this show justice in fact it's one of those shows that if i try to describe it to you i will be giving you so many spoilers so all I am going to say about Fleabag is that it is one of the best shows ever created. It is only two seasons long and it was created and written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge and she also stars in it as the main character. In this show, she breaks down the fourth wall and talks to us as in talks to us, the viewer, the audience. So things will be happening in the show, then they'll pause and she'll turn to us and start talking to us. As I am even saying that I am tempted to start talking about the show right now. But like I said, if I do, I'll give so many spoilers. So please go and watch the trailer for more information, then watch the show. I promise you, you won't regret it. And with that, we come to the end of this week's episode of the podcast. I am your host, Suleiman Ocheni. I would love, love, love it if this podcast could be a conversation between you and I. So if you have a question, anything relationship related that you need help with, please send it to me via email. You can write an email or record a voice note and send that to me. Remember, if I treat your issue on the podcast, you will be anonymous, so I will not expose you. Equally, if you have any feedback, any additions or subtractions from what I had to say on this week's episode of the podcast, you can also reach out. Email me at suleiman.talks at gmail.com, which is spelled S-U-L-E-I-M-A-N 
www.toks at gmail.com. You can also DM me on Instagram if you would prefer that. I am Suleiman underscore talks on Instagram and TikTok. You can also follow me on those platforms for more relationship advice. The voice you heard at the beginning of this podcast is the lovely Fatima Beta. The theme song you're listening to right now and at the start of the podcast is by Coma Media on pixabay.com. Thank you for listening. Catch a brand new episode of CN next Monday. So until then, 